I want to begin today's episode with Psalm 119, picking up in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me, then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I wanted to begin this podcast episode with this psalm to remind you of who you are in God and remind you what you have before you. It's my charge that you will eat of the spiritual fruit that you are trying to serve to the masses. For if we do not soak ourselves in the scripture of God, we cannot be the men, the servants, the women of God. A well-known Christian preacher tells the story of driving to, to, to speak at a congregation and his two young children are riding in the back seat. And when they arrived in the parking lot, it was almost empty and there were only three other cars there. And his son looked out the window and said, Dad, nobody's coming to hear you and you're so famous. And his daughter turned to her brother and said, Well, if Dad's so famous, where are all the people? And feeling defensive for his dad, the boy shot back very quickly, Knock it off. It's hard to be famous when nobody knows who you are. <laughs> you know, that boy was right. It is hard to be famous when no one knows who you are. You and I may not be uh, receiving an invitation uh, to headline a conference, to speak at Polishing the Pulpit or uh, the local lectureship at the preaching school or college that, that's close to you. And perhaps if we did receive those invitations, there's only going to be three cars in the parking lot, and one of those could be belonging to our own mother. You know, it's hard to be famous when nobody knows who you are. But you need to remember that you are in good company. Most preachers will always be relatively unknown. You may serve in a, uh, a city congregation that's lost really in a larger metropolis, or you may serve in a, in a rural congregation that's located on the outskirts of, of nowhere. And you will be known to the local congregation and maybe just a handful of the surrounding congregations. But beyond that, not really, not so much. You know, your sermons may be uh, on the church website or on the church YouTube page, but it's not going to go viral. And most of the time, you're okay with that. Most of the time, you're busy serving Christ uh, and you're busy serving his people and you don't think too much about it. And you enjoy what you do. This is your vocation by choice. Uh, the scriptures have convicted you of so. And so this is who you are. You are a preacher, not just by trade, but but by mere definition. Uh, for me personally, I feel, and of course, I don't put this on anybody else, but I, I feel as though I'm not faithful unless I preach. 
I'm that convicted by it that I feel bothered. And sometimes it's hard for me to sit and listen to a sermon. And, uh, but, that's, but that's my own crux. But, but besides, you, you and I went into the ministry not to be famous, but to be faithful. But sometimes, unexpectedly, something can surface um, in your insecurities. And you'll hear about the exponential growth that's happening down the road or at a, at a friend of yours, his congregation, or you're reading an article by you know, a local preacher or a preacher, a preacher that you have looked up to and you long to be that way. And, you know, that preacher now is, is um, you know, really a high-profile minister. And you, you may long to be that. And you may feel diminished um, by comments that me, people make. And, you know, and even though that they may be well-meaning words uh, by one of your kids in the back seat, it, it, you can... You can I very quickly compare yourself, and not to go back to a few lessons ago about comparison, but but I want to talk about the the fruit of comparison today, the insignificance that you and I may feel in our own ministry. You may feel small, you may feel unimportant, you may feel that you're just you know you're just um, you're just insignificant, you, and you find yourselves facing the heart test of insignificance. Now, the New Testament has a message for every one of us who may feel this from time to time, where you may feel insignificant, where you're not preaching to 200 to 250 people every Sunday. You may be preaching to 30. And so you may have an overwhelming sense of insignificance. But let me remind you that you're in good company. You remember that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he described himself and his, his colleagues, basically, as unknown and yet well-known. Now, we know Paul is one of the most uh, high-profile um, Christian preachers of all time. He may be one of your heroes. Uh, and especially of the early church, he was looked at in, in high regard by so many. But if, And if somebody were to, were to carve a, you know, a Mount Rushmore of your four or five top preachers, Paul is probably going to be uh, one of the faces on there because he seems so larger than life, his ministry and his his recording seems to be so so huge but you know still Paul had a very realistic understanding in of his place in society he knew that he was relatively unknown in the larger Roman world and and he may have been known among you know congregations but he could still classify himself as an unknown in the broader sense of the term in the culture as it were but, but being an unknown in the world did not rob Paul of joy or diminish his contentment in ministry. What mattered most to Paul was being known by the one who mattered most. By grace, he had come to know God and had been known by him, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. Now, as a result of that, he lived with a sense of significance that was anchored in the eternal, you and I should never waver concerning our eternal significance. We know that Jesus came and died for us. So on a spiritual sense, we may not struggle with insignificance, but you may on a, on a physical sense. But what Paul learned is what I need to learn is I need to find my significance in being well known to Jesus. God wants us to, to learn that same life-giving lesson. If you focus on the physical so much in your ministry, 
you will dwindle, you will fade out. And, and, and as you know, this, this podcast is designed to help you to, to focus on the spiritual, to get your mind off of the physical, get your mind off of, you may feel insignificant sometimes, but, but feeling is not reality most of the time. You know, we, we, may, we may preach at a congregation where the parking lot is unpaved, okay? Or it may be some weird-looking building, some old, outdated building. It may be in the middle of nowhere, whatever it is. But the congregation that you minister to love you. And you may, you may struggle with a sense of insignificance. You know, you, you may have had dreams of doing great things, big things, uh, you know, in preaching school and in college, you know, whatever it was. And you wanted to reach the entire nation. You, you may have had grand, large uh, dreams of that. But what you may find yourself in is you're really tucked away in a small church in a small town that seems miles and miles and miles away from any hope uh, of any dream like that. And so you need to ask yourself, are you okay with that? Are you really okay with that? You know, you, it would do you well if you haven't gone on a mission trip before. Uh, I would say go on a mission trip to a third world country. I've been to the Philippines and and what that what that trip did for me um, was open my eyes to a lot of of what the world is is really in need of and really in regards to insignificant I mean to the world those people are insignificant they're not in the the, the media they're not in the news uh, their government doesn't take care of them they're insignificant to a lot of the world to most of the world but when you go and preach the gospel to them uh, and they convert left and right, hand over fist, because there's nothing in their way. Well, you you wouldn't feel insignificant there. You would feel absolutely, absolutely important. There's a movie called Mr. Holland's Opus, and if you've seen the movie, you you know that the story that that is told is of a man who who dreamed of composing a beautiful symphony, his magnum opus. And it would be his lasting musical legacy. This was his dream and his drive. This is why he did what he did. But if you've seen the movie, you know that life did not go as planned. And, and what happened was, instead of becoming a famous you know, conductor, he became a high school music teacher. So it wasn't his dream job per se, but it, but it paid the bills. You know, He did what he had to do. And so the years just flew on by. And soon Mr. Holland was an older man and he was being pushed in retirement because the district head uh, office cut the funding for the music program. And so he's cleaning out his desk. He's making his final walk down the hallway. And, and a student asked him to step into to the school auditorium. But to his surprise, the seats were full of cheering people. And on the stage sat former students who were ready to play a piece of music that he had composed. And one of the students honored him with the words, Mr. Holland, we are your opus. If you have got any blood in your body and any any ounce of feeling, you will leave that movie with tears. And it can cause your own heart to soar. And movies are great like that, but... But we've got to be reminded that that significance doesn't always come in the way that we expect it or maybe even want it. 
In fact, the true measure of our work, as you know, it's not going to be seen until we, we walk into the hallway into heaven's auditorium, as it were. That providence and what we do and the ripple of ripple effect of our ministry is not known to us, and it, it wasn't meant to be known to us. We have to be concerned with the root, which is Jesus, and not the fruit, which is the glory of God. But when we think about it in, in a in a heavenly hindsight, um, faithfulness without fanfare makes us well known to Jesus. We are famous in his eyes in what we do and what preaching the gospel. Don't, don't think that you're insignificant because you stand before God's people on Sunday. You, you have the most important J-O-B there is. You are a, a proclaimer. You are an orator. You are an expositor. You are a builder up of souls. You're, with, with what you preach, the Holy Spirit is going to work in the lives of people. And, and, and there's a book called that Francis Schaeffer wrote, and it's called No Little People. And he said, as there are no little people in God's sight, so there are no little places. To be wholly committed to God in the place where God wants him, this is the creature glorified. We must be content and understand our significance where we are. That's the important part. And Schaefer goes on to, to say that he counsels that we, we not seek a bigger, a bigger place. He says, unless the Lord himself extrudes us into a greater one. You know, and providence is, is laid out in such a way that sometimes we have a hard time seeing the, the web that's being, you know, spun in front of us. Now, the word that, that Schaefer uses is important. Uh, to be extruded is to be forced out under pressure into basically a desired shape. Um, if, you could, if you could picture this, there's a huge press and it's jamming soft metal at high pressure through a die or frame, we might say, so that the metal comes out a particular shape. And this is the way of the Christian. He should choose the lesser place until God extrudes him into a, a position of more responsibility and authority. What should we do on the days when feelings of insignificance and the lesser work and the poor budget and the small congregation or the small work itself, what do we do when those things darken our outlook and diminish our joy? How should we respond when our hearts become restless, when we're discontented with our ministry placement? What are we actually looking for? What is it that you're looking to be pleased with? I mean, if you're thinking of a bigger congregation, then, then you need to ask yourself why. Are you looking so that you can be exalted? Are you looking for a bigger and better work so that you can make more money, so that you can have more pleasure? Whatever it is, or more security. You know, there's there's hundreds of reasons why people seek after the things that they do and the different ways that they do. But you need to ask yourself, you need to check your heart. Why do I feel insignificant? Because the devil's great about causing us to compare, as we said last week, but when we compare, or a few weeks ago, when we compare, we we can feel insignificant. And, and that's, that's, that's not proper. It's, it's, that's not bred uh, from the Holy Spirit's revelation. Think about this if you're married. How would you feel if you compared your wife constantly, uh, publicly, um, to somebody else's wife in the congregation or somebody else's wife, a friend that you may have? How would you feel if she did that to you? You would feel insignificant. You would feel as though you're not good enough. 
So we certainly don't want to do that to our own souls. We've got to preach to our own hearts. We have to remind ourselves that it, it's too soon to know the significance of our service. It, it may be the case that where you're working has very little significance, but it is not insignificant. The word is perfect going out. It does not waste and it is not void. And whether you are being um, an imprint in the local congregation that you are serving as a preacher, elder, deacon, whatever it is, you're trying your best. You need to know that you are significant. Even if the people feel as though you are insignificant or your ministry is insignificant, it is not. It is crucial. It is, and we are in dire straits and in need of more servants. Jesus said it himself. The field is, is ready. It's ripe for harvest, but there's no laborers. There, there's few of them, so pray for them. We have to serve with passion and faithfulness. That's what God asks of us today. That is what constitutes my significance. That is what makes a Christian well known to Jesus. And this is how we become, like Paul, a well-known unknown. Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry.